Welcome to Courtside Moms. I'm your host, Wendy Sparks. Today, I am blessed to be joined by Denise Maxey, mother of Tyrese Maxey of the Philadelphia 76ers. Denise, welcome to Courtside Moms. Hi, Wendy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. It is an absolute pleasure for me to speak to moms and learn about the moms and and of course, our sons. So before we get into Tyrese, let's talk about you. Who is Denise Maxey and what do you do? <laughs> um, well, that's a great question. I think I'm still figuring it out, right? Um, but <laughs> yes, Denise Maxey, I am a mother of three. Uh, I have three amazing kids. My oldest is a mm. teacher. Um, she's 30. And then uh, we have Tyrese who is obviously a Philadelphia 76ers. And then we have our young daughter who's 15 and she plays volleyball. Outside of that, I am still in corporate America. I've worked for um, Blue Cross and Blue Shield and the project management as well as um, sales and marketing for over 20 years. And so that's really my passion. I do a lot of community work, a lot of volunteer work, um, volunteer a lot at the, at the different local high schools and school districts. So that's really kind of where my passion is, is volunteer work and being as heavily involved in the community as I can. Um, And I love my husband of 20 plus years. And so that's, Mm -hmm. that's who Denise Maxey is in a nutshell. That's as quick and easy as I can give it to you. Oh, Denise sounds awesome. (laughs) And I, (laughs) and I, and I love how you said I'm still in corporate America. And that's beautiful because a lot of people assume when we become MBA moms, that life is over the way we knew it from before. And I'm like, no, she's Denise, the the woman. She's yeah. Denise, the woman before she's the mom. She's Denise, the that person who is in corporate America, you know, enjoying corporate America and having her own identity and doing what she does. Then she's Tyrese's mom. So I, I'm and that's why it's so important for me when I ask the moms, like, who are you and what do you do? You know what I mean? Because we want people to understand that. So. Now, let's talk about Tyrese. How was he introduced to basketball? And at what age did he start playing? Well, my husband is huge in basketball. Um, He's been a high school basketball coach for many, many years. Uh, Prior to that, he played at a high level here in, um, in Dallas. He won, I guess, the only state championship at Hillcrest High School. He's super proud about that. And then he went on to play at Washington State, where he did amazing. And then once he graduated, came back to Dallas and um, became a high school basketball coach. He even did one year at SMU, one of the local colleges. So he's been in basketball all his life. So when we had Tyrese, um, I think one of the first things, there's a a really good story out there. I can't remember who did it, but there's a really good story out there about um, when we brought him home from the hospital, I gave him this teddy bear that plays this um, some type of theme basketball music. And he would play it for him like every morning before he went to work. So he kept the little little bear in our son's crib. And every morning before he went to work, he would play the theme song for him. And um, is that how he got into basketball? I have no idea. But by the time he was four, he was dribbling like he was probably 10, uh, just dribbling the ball, you know, constantly shooting, constantly doing something with the ball. 
So we thought, okay, well, let's, let's try it out. You know, do you want to play mm-hmm. basketball? So we just threw him in a rec league. And I think he, he was four and the rec league was between six and eight. So they were super amazed at what he could do at four years old. Um, one of the things that my husband would tease him about that point was that he, um, he wouldn't pass the ball. <laughs> it was a one man show at four years old against these six and eight, six to eight year olds. So that's kind of how he got started. Um, a lot of it was just, you know, he's around it so much. Um, a story that I like to tell is that even prior to him learning how to write his name, he was drawing out X and O's plays because he would watch my husband study for a game or, you know, he'd go scout a team with my husband and he's, you know, two, three years old. So he would take paper and scrabble these little X's and O's and pretend like he was drawing plays out. So he's been, basically he's been, you know, into basketball. I I would say from the day we brought him home from the hospital, actually. Sounds like you have a future coach in the, in the family. (laughs) Another one. (laughs) Maybe so. Maybe so. I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. So as the years went by, did he play like AAU ball? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, like I said, he started with the rec league. So he did rec league maybe that one season. And then after that, we moved him to a different, you know, okay, he seems like he's pretty serious about it. So he played um, at another little league in, uh, in, in the inner city. So I thought, okay, well, that was cool. And while he was playing in that league, he was recognized by, I guess, an AAU program. We were just kind of playing and we didn't really, we had no, we had never heard of AAU, had never heard of summer ball, had never heard of any of that. We were just kind of new at everything. So a guy that had been uh, running a summer league or I'm sorry, AAU program for quite some time recognized him and they needed a point guard to go with them to play in a national tournament in, um, in Orlando that year. So at that point he was, he was seven and it was a, um, a one year older team that wanted him to come and play point guard for them. So they came and asked us if he could start practicing with them and possibly go with them to the national tournament that year. And my husband was like, yeah, that sounds, you know, really cool. So we, that's how he got into AAU. He was just, he was just playing rec ball and someone saw him and said, Hey, come play with us. And from, from that point on, since seven years old, he played until he graduated high school. I love that. I love that. It's true. Cause for me too, I didn't know what AAU ball was. At one point, I was like, what is that? And then they were like, oh, it's com- really competitive and they travel. Mm-hmm. And because my son started when he was six and then he came out of it and went back when he was 13. So I never really heard of competitive ball, really. I mean, I played, but it just went to college level and that was it. And then I just went about my way. So when I started hearing about AAU, I was like, hold on, this is something different. This can get him to a different mm-hmm. level. But at this point, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like as as parents, we got to start resourcing and looking and seeing what is this all about? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm understanding. I love what you're saying. Like, yeah, we didn't know because people just seem to think that we know everything that comes with basketball yeah. and it's a learning experience for us as well. It starts with us. Yeah. I'm still learning every day, you know, every step of the way it's, it's a learning curve, you know, going yeah. through AAU, we learned the ins and outs of that. And then we advance to, to um, high school level. You learn that, you know, the recruiting and then you get to college and you have to figure that out. And now mm-hmm. you're in the league and, you know, it's like an ongoing, I call myself a student of life because I'm constantly learning how to maneuver yes. in new spaces. So you're right. We don't know. Uh-huh. Uh, I can tell you now, you know, hey, what worked for us that may work for someone else, but you don't know. You're, you're learning throughout the entire process. 
for the right. entire time. Yeah, there was no manual of how to be an NBA parent, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> I wish there were. <laughs> yeah, I wish we there all was, do. But I would, I would definitely, ha- I would have had it a long time ago. Uh, um, thank there's you. No, there's no manual. There's no manual to being um, the NBA journey. There is no manual to being a parent. There is no manual for for any of it to say, okay, am I making the right decisions? You know, for That's us, right. we you know we are a faith based family, so for us, it was a lot of prayer. Um, a lot of chatting and, um, you know, praying that we made the right decisions throughout the way. So that's the only manual we use. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And that's the best manual. And at the end of the day, you know what? You just do it. You won't you know. You won't know until after you do it. So, you know, we can't move in fear in life. And and I say that to my kids. Do you want something? They're like, yes. Yeah. So then do it. Just go ahead and let's see. And if you fail, at least you tried. And now let's just find a different way for you to do it a different way and better. Mm-hmm. I, I so, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> a, during his AAU, he played in high school. So or he was in high school. So what were his high school games at South Garden like for you? And take us all the way to his senior year. Oh, gosh. So high school. Um, like I said, my husband was a high school coach for many years. Mm-hmm. So now it's time for our son. Like he's coached these high school kids forever. Now it's time for our son to go to high school. And we're like desperately looking like, where do we want him to go to high school? Um, you know, where do we want this father son relationship to go? Right. And so we, we are from Garland, Texas. Uh, I think everybody knows that. And so my husband said, you know, I think I want Tyrese. He's, he's, born and bred here in Garland. So we thought, okay, I think I want Tyrese to go to a Garland school. So my husband accepted a job as an assistant coach at South Garland High School. And so now uh, our high school journey begins. And South Garland, although we are in the suburbs, which is about 12 to 13 miles east of the city, um, it still has somewhat of an inner city feel. So um, they had never had a basketball booster club and um, the school, you know, just didn't have some of the, some of the bells and whistles that some of the other schools had. So we decided to really work with an amazing group of parents and we created a booster club. And um, so we created our booster club and now we've got our, our kids there. We've got about five to six guys that came together that had known each other for the last, maybe since they were eight, nine, 10 years old. And all decided to go to this one school, which was South Garden High School. So ninth grade year begins, and uh, most of the boys started on varsity. Um, and then right as the season starts, we're eight, nine games in, eight or nine games in. Tyrese is rolling. He's doing amazing. He's killing it. And he, um, he falls and uh, or takes a nasty fall. So he had a little bit of an injury and decided that, you know, we just kind of set out the rest of freshman year. He started back in AAU, started back the AAU season, and um, now we're kind of advancing towards, you know, his getting his first um, his first offers for college and 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 those things. So now uh, we fast forward to sophomore year. Sophomore year, the gyms are packed. Like you, there's standing room only. You can when you're hearing that that he's playing, he's got a game. It it, it was a crazy time. Everybody's trying to come out. Um, junior year, crazy. It just it just advanced more and more and more. So by the time senior year got there, 
you just could not get into the South Rollins gym. So they went from having maybe 50 people in the gym at a varsity game on a Friday night to being a complete sellout every single night um, to come and watch, you know, him and his teammates, you know, take on whatever opponent they had at the moment. So it was, it was exciting. It was fun. Um, You know, you just didn't know what to expect, but it was, it was the most fun I think I've ever had um, during high school, outside of my own high school years, but it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun, a lot of excitement. And he really did set the city on fire on those Friday night games. So that's kind of what our, our, our high school experience was like. It was fun. And that's the best because that's what you want. You want to be able to go to a gym and be excited mm-hmm. and just, you know what I mean? Just you can't wait for the games. The games are so meaningful mm-hmm. for everybody. You know, like you said, the city's coming yeah. to see everybody's in there. Everybody's just mushing into the gym and finding that little standing room space if they have it or getting there early so if they can get the last seat on the bleacher or <laughs> and we're just there yeah, enjoying people. Yeah. Yeah. And we were working the um the booster club moms are working the concession stands mm-hmm. and making sure that um you know the lines didn't get too long during the halftime and we didn't run out of food because you know how we are uh, <laughs> sometimes we come to the game and whatever reason they want that one snack on Friday night so you definitely <laughs> didn't want to be the team that ran out of the snacks that you definitely were going to get talked about later that night on social media. Oh yeah. But um but it was a lot of fun. It really was. I can't I can't say that um, that we regretted any moment of it. It was it was a lot of fun. We had we had the most fun I think I've, I've had in a long time in the high school. So I think he would concur. We'll we'll see, but maybe. <laughs> so you said I think it was his sophomore year where he started getting um, some scholarship letters. So what was that like to get when you got the first one? Well, for us. Um, we decided that we wanted him to focus on his academics and, um, you know, getting to the college that he chose, that he really wanted to go to. So for us, and this is for us and our family, we decided not to share his offers with him. Um, we would get the offers, you know, maybe in the mail or some, you know, coaches would call us or, or whatever the situation was, but we did not share the information mm-hmm. with Tyree. We decided we didn't want it to be a distraction or, you know, for him to think, okay, I've arrived and, you know, to start working hard. So on many occasions, and I don't think that he ever will agree with us if you ask him this question on how we handled it, uh, but we just didn't share a lot with him until we felt like, you know, he was mature enough. And then at one point when the coaches started being able to reach out to him, then we really could control a lot. We couldn't control a lot of it, but Mm -hmm. the initial offers, we kind of kept them to ourselves. And, um, you know, we, that's, that's the route we chose to take. I don't know if other parents are doing that, but, you know, we, again, we thought it was the best thing to do at that moment so that he wouldn't get a big head about it and that he wouldn't lose focus on, you know, where he was trying to go with his college career. No, I, I understand that because like you're saying, you want our kids to focus. You want them to focus on what they're doing and really not where they're going to go yet. Mm -hmm. Right. Because so many Mm -hmm. offers are going to come in, um, and then they just lose sight of what they're supposed to be doing. They're like, oh, okay, I, this school is called. Okay, well, this school and then this school. And, then you, mm-hmm. and they're not really paying attention to, no, no, it doesn't mean you're going to go there. Let's just really get you keep developing and keep getting better and better. And then you're going to be able to make a choice. But don't go running to the first school that calls. Yeah, yeah it's very important. I mean, like you said, everybody does it different. And you did what? 
was what worked for your family. So college recruitment and then school selections and visits are so important to the inception of a player's NCAA career and beyond. How did you prepare for these meetings? And what type of questions did you ask these coaches just to make sure that they're on that same trajectory as you? Gosh, um, my husband handled the majority of the Mm -hmm. college recruiting. Yeah. Um, For me, I think I was more excited about when he made it to the point where they were going to come to the house and, oh my gosh, I get, you know, I had saw on TV how they would have like a dinner or something planned. <laughs> so I was more excited about, oh, wow, you know, you know, this coach is coming in. So what am I going to prepare for dinner or what are we going to bring in for dinner? So that was kind of how I handled it. And as far as, you know, the questions that I asked, I was more trying to get a feel for, the coaching style and how that style would kind of fit with my son's playing style. You know, so when I would go to the games, I would pay more attention to how to coach interact with um, the team. Even Mm -hmm. when he called a timeout, how did he interact? How did the, how did the players interact with the coach? You know, how were they, they, what were they feeling? What were they thinking? Could they talk to the coach? Could they interject their thoughts? Could they, um, you know, how did he handle them? Did they have a sense of respect for him? And did he have a sense of respect for the players? Um, you know, where was the gym located? You know, my son was often referred to as a gym rat. That was a big deal to me because I knew he wasn't going to have a car um, that freshman year, depending on where he was going. But I knew at the moment he was planning to go pretty far. So he wasn't going to have a car. Getting to the gym several times a day, early morning, late night was a big deal to him. When I went to the school, that was a big deal for me. Let me go see where the gym is at. So the gym was a mile away. I knew he wasn't going to have a car. It was going to be an issue for him to get back and forth as much as he would have liked. Um, you know, what other players are there? Um, you know, who plays his position? That's still going to be there. And what, when are they leaving? What's their, what's their year? Are they freshman, sophomore, junior? What are they? All those things are things that I kind of paid attention to. And then my husband really worked on what type of um, system they ran and mm-hmm. how would Tyrese's style of play fit into that system? Um, what did the coach look for to keep our son on the court? Um, and, you know, what did Tyrese bring to the team? You know, what, yeah. was, his, what was his addition going to be? How is he going to mesh with that team? Um, I mean, those are, the, those are the general things we looked at. We can get into specifics, but those were the, those, that's the overall feel that we, we kind of, that's how we approached it. I had my things I looked at from, you know, when we would go on the visits from a mom's perspective, and then my husband kind of handled the logistics part of what, you know, what he had in mind and how Tyrese would fit the program. That is amazing because, you know, sometimes parents get these letters and these schools call and the coaches come and do the visits. Like you said, they come to the house or wherever and they sell you the sun, the moon, the stars. And if you don't know what to ask, you're just putting your kid in such an uncomfortable situation because now they may not fit the program or fit the program the way 
we want them to fit the program. And it's and the reason why I say that is because at the end of the day, these coaches want to build their program as they should. But we're looking future. We're looking, yes, my son's going to come play. However, the goal is the NBA. So is he going to be positioned properly? Is your program going to help him move forward? Is it just or is it just going to help your program? A lot of parents don't think to ask these questions. My first mm-hmm. two phone calls, if I certainly didn't ask, I didn't know. I was just so excited. Like, oh, my God, they're calling my son. My son's from Canada and he's going to leave. He's going to go to the state. I had no clue. But you know what I mean? After a while, I was like, hold on a second. Wait. Yeah. And then I, I mean, really think they're important. Yeah. And then I took mm-hmm. a second to stop and 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 think of a lot of the things that you said, but it didn't dawn on me at the beginning. It didn't. I was like, oh, well, he must fit. Why would they call if he didn't fit? But I wasn't thinking further along until after. So mm-hmm. it's important. And the way that your husband and yourself, like a tag team, you know, you're asking a set of questions. Mm-hmm. He's asking a set of questions coming from two different angles. But at the same time, it's it. These are the angles that you both need to fit your son's comfortability in the school. Like just something simple as, well, where's the gym in relation to where his dorm is? That's important to a lot yeah. of students, a lot of athletes. It's very important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's very important. And you don't think about it until you get on campus or if you don't think about it until you get on campus, then now you've got to say, oh, my gosh, you know, what, what am I going to do? It becomes a problem. Yeah. Right. I've, I've, I've talked to parents and talked to moms where they didn't consider the location of the gym and they moved their child from the southern region to maybe the east coast where it's a lot mm-hmm. colder and now their their child is a mile a mile and a half and they're having a problem getting to the gym and they're not getting the or getting or putting the time in that they would have had they you know taken right. the time to say okay i know i gotta walk to the gym in 20 degrees weather right Okay, yep. it's not a big deal because the gym is literally across the street, right? But as opposed to being a mile and a half and I got to find a ride or it's snowing mm-hmm. outside, all those things, it doesn't seem like a big deal until you're you're in it. Um, yeah. But you're right. And to, to your point, you're right. They're calling and you're like excited, excited. Then you have to kind of calm yourself down and say, okay, wait a minute. What, what are we doing here? And what's the ultimate goal? And what do we need to do? to make sure we're taking the right steps and the right measurements to get to that ultimate goal, which in our son's case was getting to the league. Absolutely. So out of all your offers, you chose Kentucky. So why University of Kentucky? And what did you think they could do for Tyrese more than the other options that you were considering? So my son was a huge Calipari fan. Um, Prior to him being at Kentucky, he would sit in front of the TV and gaze at him coaching, um, um, gosh, what's his name from the Bulls? He now plays with the Knicks. I should know this. I should get a big slap on hand. Um, The little point guard. Gosh, you got to know. From Memphis. Um, What's his name? Uh, I know. I'm sitting and I... Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't think of his name. Tyrese is going to kill me. So anyway, so he would say, he would literally sit in front of the TV and watch the Kentucky, I'm sorry, the Memphis games with Calipari coaching. And from that moment, he said, I want to be coached by Calipari. So we were like, okay. And that's when my husband, he bought books um, on, on Kentucky. 
you know, because after that, after that last season, he moved over, Calipari moved over to Kentucky. So at that point, my husband, he bought books. He started to study Calipari's movements. He started to study, you know, the, the different plays, the different uh, things he would run, how he would, um, what he would look, he would, one of the things he would look at, he would show and say, okay, look, Tyrese, we would be watching the game. He'd say, watch, this guy's going to come out. He missed a defensive box out. Tyrese, this guy's going to come out because he didn't, you know, defensively box out this guy. Sure enough, Cal would go to the bench, put in somebody else because he missed the box out. He would shoot a bad shot that was just didn't make sense. And Tyrese, my husband would say, look, Tyrese, he's going to come out the game. Watch. Sure enough, he would come out the game. So all those things is what my husband would look at, and he would point them out to Tyrese. Like, These are the things that you're going to have to be really good at to get Calipari's attention. These are things that you have to pay attention to detail on defense. You got to pay attention to this. You have to do all these things so that when we finally get Cal to come and watch you play, he's going to notice you're doing these things and that will give him, okay, let me, let me take a peek at this kid. So we lead up to the decision. We get all the, the offers and, um, you know, he had, he had, you know, offers from everywhere, starting from Stanford to, Gosh, I don't know. You name it. I think he had an offer there, which was amazing. It was an amazing spot to be in. And he really did consider, you know, really seriously consider a couple of the other schools. But at the end of the day, when he came down and told us that he had made his decision, he said, Mama, heart is just at Kentucky. My heart is just there. And it's where I want to go. I don't care how hard you guys tell me Calipari is going to be on me. I don't care how hard I'm going to have to fight for, for minutes to get on that court. That's where I want to be. And we said, okay, if that's what you want, then let's do it. And I think the very next week he made his college decision announcement. Uh, and that's how we ended up at Kentucky. And so what did I think mm-hmm. Cal would do? Um, I'm going to just be real honest. <laughs> I was nervous. I had been to several games and had watched Cal, you know, with the, with the kids and I'd watched it on TV for many years. And I, um, Derek Rose, Derek Rose is the, <laughs> is the guard's name. I'm like, geez, I can't believe I can't remember that. So Derek Rose from, from Memphis. Yes, that's his name. So I had watched, um, you know, watched several games and, um, you know, just talking to Tyrese about it and, you know, he put several guards, he'd helped several guards on their path to the NBA. You know, that's something yeah. that he had kind of became honestly very popular for doing. You yeah. go to Kentucky, you play well. And next thing you know, he was, he became the one and done type yeah. you know, coach. He was the one that kind of created that whole little era. Right. So, um, okay. I said, okay, if you go and you play well and, and you perform and do, do your job, then maybe this is a shot. Maybe we've got this, this one and one and done thing down. And, um, so that's what I, I had to think about in every game that that he coached my son, which he coached my son extremely hard. Um, <laughs> but even if you ask my son now who coached him hard is even with the coach he currently has and, and, and Cal and my husband, he still points out that he feels my husband was the hardest yeah. guy to play for. Um, but yeah, that's what I thought. I thought that this is a, this is the, we're on the path to get to the career that our son has desired and has expressed to us that he wants. So if this is the path we have to take. This is the route we're going to go. That's, and that's, that's what it. I felt. That's why I said, okay, this, this is what we'll do. And that's how right. we did it. Ended up at Kentucky. So what was it like to be the parents of a Kentucky Wildcat? Oh gosh. <laughs> um, 
Well, okay, let's get past the the looks that you get when you when he committed, and we go to a uh, we go to out of state game at an EYBL tournament, and you have on a Kentucky shirt, and you get the look from the parent next to you saying, "Oh, how did they get how did they get to Kentucky?" I'm sure you've had that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you get those looks, you know, from the other parents, and like you know, till I got to the point where do I wear a Kentucky shirt today, or do I not wear a Kentucky shirt, or geez, you know, what do you do? Because you get those looks, you know, it's just I don't know how to explain it. So now we're on the path to Kentucky, and that's 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 honestly what it feels like to be the parent of a Kentucky player. You know, initially you get that look like, whoa, uh, your kid's going to Kentucky, or your kid's going to Blue Blood, right? Yeah, and um. Then you advance to dropping them off, uh, dropping them off in June and all of the, what is it? I think it's like 21,000 fans in that stadium or I'm sorry, in that arena. And, you know, going to the big blue madness, you know, um, right before the season starts, the season opener and the fans just going crazy, uh, arriving there at the arena uh, at Rupp. And um, the, the the buses, and they've got the red carpet, and you get off the bus, and it's like you're a rock star. It's like wow. if you're not going to a game, you're actually at a rock concert. Um, it's like a rock star effect or something. So it's instant fame, honestly, going to Kentucky. I'm, I'm not sure about any of the other Blue Bloods, but I can only tell you what our experience was like with, with Kentucky. It was, it was awesome. It was amazing. Um, but it was also a little nervous as a mom, like, oh my gosh, all these people are looking at my kid and they're talking to my kid and, you know, and they have access to him and there's, you know, the social media is blowing up and it's, 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 a, it's tough. It was a tough spot to be in. Um, just for me, I just prayed every day, every night that he was going to be okay with all of the attention. And he did, he loved it. You know, Tyrese is one of those people who um, I call him a camera magnet for whatever reason, no matter where he's at in a, in a facility, in a gym outside, seems like the camera just finds him and he loves it. I don't know if you've seen some of his stuff on <laughs> some of his mm-hmm. social media, but he is, he's interesting. He's, he's a character, but, um, but I just, he loved it. He soaked it up and he did well. Right. Um, if your kid is, is not, is not um, wanting to be in that particular limelight, I guess, or that, and that atmosphere, that rock star feel, then, you know, I don't know that Kentucky yeah. at that moment, I'm not sure what it's like post COVID, but at that moment, pre COVID, um, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. And it was yeah. a lot for me to take in being the introverted person that I am. Um, but I just, I just prayed, <laughs> yeah, prayed that he'd be okay. Talk to him every day. I kind of got a feel for what he was thinking, how, what he was going through and, um, but that it, being the being the parent of a Kentucky a Kentucky kid is like it's the only way I can explain this. I say it's like whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he got a lot of attention on and off the court. So now at this point, you're considering moving his his career forward. So did you interview agents prior to making a final decision? Um, or did you always have one in mind from the start? No, we um, we really didn't entertain agents for a while. Yeah, didn't. Um, we kind of stayed with the same concept that we had, same model that we had with trying to select uh, a school, and that was um, 
we're mainly just going to watch his games right now. We'll see how things go. When it's time, we'll figure it out. So we had a few conversations here and there, but we were very selective with those conversations that we had. Um, once again, we did not tell Tyrese who we had been talking to as an agent, who had been contacting us. The one thing that we did tell them that if they ever reached out to our son in college, that that was they would never talk to us. Like, do not contact our son. He's focused right now. He's got his academics. He's got, um, you know, he's, he's trying to make sure he's on the court and doing what he needs to do. So, you know, if you want to talk to someone, you need to talk to myself or my husband, mainly my husband. Um, so that was kind of how we handled it. And, you know, what we looked for in an agent was somebody that we felt Tyrese could relate to. That was a big deal because we don't, we didn't know the NBA industry. We didn't know anything about it. So we didn't know what those games were going to be like, you know, how's he going to feel after a game? Who's talking to the coaching staff? You know, we, we knew that mostly, heck, we were thinking coaches don't talk to parents after the recruitment process is done in college. Surely they're not going to talk to parents. And when he gets to the NBA, even though your mm-hmm. kid is young, they're not talking to us. So who can we, you know, bring on board that can really have a relationship with our son and have a relationship with the coaching staff that, you know, can come back and communicate to us that, that Tyrese is going to want to communicate with. That was first and foremost. Um, and then we looked at, you know, what can they do for Tyrese from a marketing standpoint and what type of relationships that they, you know, that they have that we could possibly tap into. Now you have to think about this too. It was COVID. It was a, we were in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And um, when we were looking at agents initially, we were, um, we, the pandemic had not hit. Um, so when the pandemic did hit in March of uh, 2020, mm-hmm. and they shut everything down and, you know, all the kids came home and Tyrese came back here to Garland, then we just, we had to make a decision. What do you want to do, son? You didn't get to play in the tournament. Um, you'd had a good season. You had a really good season, actually. Uh, we were SEC champs that year. He'd had some really good SEC. Um, he was SEC player of the week a couple of times. And, right. you know, he had a really good um, um, percentage. He, was, he, he had a good season, a good eight-month run. Um, but, you know, we, would, we were looking forward to making a deep run into the in the um, – in the, um, in the, can't think, the uh, conference, not the conference, the but conference, the, uh, yeah. the tournament. Sorry, the tournament. Yep. So we were looking forward to that. That didn't happen. So once everything shut down – he came home and then we, we started to tell him some of the agencies that had been reaching out to us. And we, at that point, had narrowed it down to either we're going to go, we had three that we had, we had said, okay, these are the three, the top three that we feel would be a good fit. And then we started talking to them. We started talking right. to them and letting him kind of talk to them and them reaching out to him and just, you know, trying to figure out what we could do because everything we could do at that moment was on Zoom. It wasn't like we could go and see them or he could meet them in person. Mm. and um, so once we kind of figured out, okay, this is the, the one agent or agency we're going to go with, um, then we finally um, flew out to the area that he was in and, and met him in person and um, started the, the draft process. So once it became more clear that the NBA was a real possibility for Therese, how did you then decide who would enter or remain in your inner circle now to help your, your process of getting him to the NBA? Mm-hmm. Um, we're close knit family. Um, so we decided that what, somebody needed to go and live with Tyree. He was, he literally just turned 20 years old. 
Mm. And, um, and no, in fact, he was 19. As a matter of fact, when he mm. entered the draft, he was 19. When he got drafted, he was 19. A couple of weeks later, he turned 20. Yeah. So now we are, okay, we have to figure out who's going to go with our son. So we thought, hmm, we know he doesn't want his mom around all the time. <laughs> probably not a good idea. All right. So dad, probably not you either, dad. Probably doesn't want you coming and going in. No. So my husband, okay, so it can't be one of us. We don't want to go hang out with him all day. And he's not going to hang out with us all day. Let's find somebody else. So I have um, a younger brother. Uh, he's 12 years younger than me, and he's in the basketball as well. So we went to him and we said, hey, we need um, somebody to kind of hang out with uh, Tyrese, someone to, to be there, to kind of watch over him, to, you know, somebody he can lean on, you know, make sure he's getting to and from practices, make sure he's, you know, reading, eating the right foods, he's doing the right things, he's keeping some of the people away from him. So my brother very graciously said, okay, I'll do it. So he quit his job and we, he decided to just move in with Tyrese and be his client services person. So we had, um, at this point, we're putting together our team now. So we've got his client services person, which is my brother, his uncle, that's going to live with him. We had to, we got our agent. So now we have to find um, a finance team. So we found a financial team, someone who can help us manage his money in the, in the best way. And then we need the CPA. Uh, someone who could make sure that he were paying the taxes properly. Um, then we needed um, an insurance person, you know, all these different insurance mm-hmm. that we put in place to make sure he's covered. Um, we needed legal representation. Uh, didn't, what I didn't know at the moment is that we needed legal representation in the city and or state that he was in. So we chose mm-hmm. legal, a legal person here in, in Dallas. And, you know, as things progress, we had to bring on another legal person. So now we've got like a legal team. So now we've got the agent, CPA, finance manager, insurance person, legal representation, client services. Uh, So it's a whole little team, a whole little Mm -hmm. team. And that's how we decided uh, who would do what. And um, for me, it was important for I didn't choose um, an agency where they have. It's like all inclusive where you've got the marketing team there, you've got your legal team, your Mm -hmm. CPA, and the finance person all in one spot. I decided that I wanted to hand select each person. Uh, I wanted a a relationship with each person. So each person I hand selected, they did not know each other. And I wanted to make sure this person didn't have a, a pre-relationship with this person or they didn't have, you know, business, hadn't done business together in the past. So I literally went through and hand selected each member of our team and then bought them all together and said, okay, this is team Maxi. And that's how we started our little team. You see, and that's a great thought process that you invested your time um, as as a parent, as a, a parent of a professional athlete, and and people don't really understand the importance of that, or they don't see the importance of that. And you really, really, I mean, people are listening now. Please, please listen. And 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 that to me is uh, such a great way to handle um, a lot of what you just did and what you just said, because there's so much that has to go into 
our kids and our kids' success. And this one of the things that you said that I loved is that you made sure that they didn't really know each other or had previous relationships with, you know what I mean, like the financial um, advisor with um, the agent with, you know what I mean? Because it's true. You have, sometimes it's, it's better to separate everybody. One does not need mm-hmm. to know what the other is doing. Sometimes people say, oh, it's good if we're all together on one page. No, no, no. You have this person who, let's say mom, who's navigating and she's making sure that it's going the way that it needs to go for them and not for what the companies are saying it should be. And I love that because you're holding it together and you're putting your son in, in the position that he should be and what you want or your son wants versus what everybody else wants. So I absolutely love that. And I love the way you managed it. You managed it all and you kept it close because it's important for our kids. They Sometimes they yeah. don't see it. Sometimes they don't see it or appreciate it at the beginning, but believe you me, a couple of years from now, he's like, wow. You know what I mean? When other (laughs) players are telling him, oh, this happened. He's like, not me. It didn't happen to me because we have it all on lock. We we actually thought about what we're doing. We actually took careful measures to make sure that I'm protected because at the end of the day, which we're going to talk about soon, how to protect our kids, um, that is really important. Um, But before we get to his life, after he became an NBA uh, player, let's just talk about how did you and your family prepare for draft? And then let's go into oh, draft night. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, draft night, it was, um, I remember his agent saying, Denise, it's like prom night. <laughs> what are you talking about? My baby's yeah. leaving. It's not prom. But he would be like, Denise, just relax. It's going to be like prom, you know. Um, so how did we prepare? So, again, we're, we're in a pandemic. Never been done before. Mm. Draft date changes three times. Yep. Draft is generally in June. Uh, nope, not having draft in June. In fact, will we even have a draft this year? We don't know um, at this moment, right? But he's still working out, and we're still optimistic this is going to happen. They changed it, I think, into July. I think the next date was July, mm-hmm. July. Um, didn't happen then. I want to say they changed it or they, in August is when they started saying, okay, it's coming. We're not sure, but it's coming. Right. And then maybe October or first of October around that time, they finally said, okay, draft is going to be October 18th. I'm sorry, not, not October, uh, November 18th. November, November 18th. Yep. So we, now we got to <laughs> Now we have a draft date. Right. So we're like, oh, wow. We have a date to look forward to. And then, um, the interviews come. And so again, we're in a pandemic, so he can't, he can't go and work out in front of people like he normally would. He can't go um, to these different cities and, and meet these head coaches in person mm-hmm. and do the breakfast and the lunch, the normal things that everybody's doing, the combine really wasn't a, a true combine. He didn't get yeah. that opportunity. So, you know, we really, he did a bunch of zoom calls. It was, you know, zoom calls. And so we were like, okay, um, Going into the draft, he was projected, even prior to going to Kentucky, he was projected as a, a lottery pick, you know. Mm. Uh, oh, he's, you know, he's definitely going to be a lottery pick. Going into the draft, even a week before the draft, we were told he would, you know, pretty much be a lottery pick, right? Um, but our agent was very honest. He said, okay, this is his sweet spot between here and here. So we kind of didn't have any, even though that, that was out there from our agent, he was very Hey, these are the people I'm talking to. Here's his sweet spot between these numbers and these numbers, which was kind of on point. Um, 
So we, as we prepare for the draft, I thought, gosh, my son won't be able to go and sit in a green room and have that experience that we had so looked forward to for many years, right? So me, being the person I am, decided I would recreate what it would have looked like on draft night if we were there. So I did renovations to my house here in Garland, the house that I'm in now. And I turned my downstairs living and dining area into a ballroom. I even had a stage built, an NBA stage built. If you go, you can, I think you can find some of the videos on YouTube or something like that. But I had um, everything turned, literally tables. It literally looked like a ballroom. People thought we were at a venue or something. And then I had one room upstairs turned into a green room that was just for our little family. Like it was a little table set up for myself, my husband, our kids. Um, my my mother and that was it and it was the green room it was this was considered the green room where everything was happening at and so the rest of the guests were downstairs mm-hmm. um, I even bought in a a doctor that did uh, on-site COVID testing before they came in so you had to you had to show proof of a negative COVID test 48 hours prior to the event and then once you arrived here you had to get a um, a COVID test sit in your car wait for the COVID results and then you could enter into my home. So that's how those were some of the some of the uh, measures we took. But I completely recreated what I felt like he would have wanted. I would have experienced if he had went somewhere for draft night. Um, so that was that's kind of how we approached it. And um, and then we were we were a nervous wreck. But I, at, at, at anything, I wanted it to be as memorable as possible for him. When he looked back at the pictures and the videos, I wanted him to think, Okay, that felt like draft as close as I could possibly get it to him. So that was that's our draft. That was our draft night. Wow. So, <laughs> <laughs> talk about his emotions though when his name was called uh, tw- at the twenty first position. So talk about that because I watched it today, and I was like, mm-hmm. I had to cry. I was like, wow. I just loved how. To me, his humbling feeling, but I want to hear from you. You were sitting right next to him, you and dad. So talk about what his emotions meant to you and just just everybody. Well, when you think about it, um, the average parent, the average family, you know, the average working class family, corporate America, um, being a teacher and educator, don't really have the funds laying around to drag your kid mm-hmm. to an eight an, um, an EYBL tournament or an AAU tournament every single weekend. You know, that stuff costs thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so on that night to sit there and finally hear his name called and for him to have thought about all the late nights, you know, all the early mornings, all the weekends, all the times he couldn't go to a cousin's birthday party because we had a tournament or all the times we said, no, you can't go outside and play because we don't want you to fall on your back because you got a tournament next week. Um, all the times that, you know, his dad, we, we go to a tournament on a Friday morning and we come back late on a Sunday night and Sunday by 10, 11 o'clock, he's in the room with my husband walking, watching um, video, not video, but the, the game tape, you know, mm-hmm. footage of what he did or didn't do from that tournament and what he needed to get better at during that week to get prepared for the next tournament. When you think about all the work that he put in 
and any other player that made it there, because it's one in a million chance that you'd make it there, right? When you think about all the work that you put in, the the time that he spent at at Kentucky, and those were eight months. I call it boot camp. Those were eight months of boot camp for him. Um, and then you finally hear your name called. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about it. You've been you've been praying and hoping and dreaming of this moment for so many years. So many nights, so many tears, so much blood, so much sweat, so much work. And then finally, you hear your name called. Like, finally, it's here. That moment is finally here. And, yeah, so he, he was emotional. We were all emotional. I mean, there's, there's a lot that we went through to get there. Um, yep. A lot. You know, we gave up pretty much everything. You know, even his younger sister, she had to go sit in, in tournaments. His older sisters, you know, couldn't get some of the things that they wanted because we don't have that. We can't we don't have the money to buy what you want right now because we got to put the money into we got to go yeah. to a tournament next week. And we got to buy plane tickets or we got to make sure we have gas or we have to pay for a hotel or, you know, whatever it is he needed. We we all had to make a sacrifice to get there. Um, so it was emotional. It was like, wow, we've we've finally got here. We finally worked our butts off and he put a lot of work in and now his name is called and he's on his way to the NBA. So that's what you see when you look at that video, when we, you think about, and that's any parent out there right now that's, that's trying to figure out how are they going to pay for that next trip? Mm-hmm. You know, how are they going to buy that expensive shoe that their kids asking for? Um, how are they going to pay the bills when they get back from that trip? You know, it's, it's, it's a real thing. It really it is. is. Um, like it I said, is. the average household, they don't have those funds. You know, mm-hmm. we pulled from retirement. We pulled from savings. We did everything we possibly had to do to make sure his dream came true. And that night, it came true. So those are the emotions you mm-hmm. see when you see us shedding tears and, you know, me holding back, you know, and just saying, okay, Denise, keep it together. Don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> don't let it go right here. But that night, we, we just... It was a it was a celebration, but at the yeah. moment it was what you saw was just oh my god we we finally got here, and we were we were grateful grateful and appreciative that you know someone called his name. That's a true example of believing in your child. Mm-hmm. Like you said, there's so much sacrifices that as parents we have to make. You know what I mean? It's like we got to give up our vacation time at work. Mm-hmm. We're not really going on a vacation because we're going on a, we're going away on a tournament. So when we come back, like you said, we had to figure out what we're going to do with those credit card bills and how we're going to pay it off. But at the beginning, we're just like, mm, okay, we got to get to that tournament. He's got to get to that tournament. And when we come back, we're like, man, what do we got to do? Do we do overtime? Do we do all these wonderful things to pay off? Because guess what? The next tournament's coming up in the month. And we, it's always we do it like, all over again. Ah, there you go. We're just like, whatever, we'll be there. We'll be there. Just don't say no, we'll be there. So um, I just love the investment that your family made. You believed in, in what he wanted to do. He had this vision where, you know what? I want to go to the NBA, but everybody had that same vision. And it just makes that trajectory even easier. But what I laugh and I look at, I said, sometimes our kids enter the NBA and they're so young. I mean, they can't even lease their own apartments or buy their own homes when they're. <laughs> so what are examples of things that you needed to still assist young Tyrese with? 
Laundry. Yeah. Oh, geez. When I come up to, to visit him, it's like mountains of laundry. Like, dude, what are you doing? Throw it in the washer. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But no, I'm serious. Really laundry. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But you're right. You know, he was 20 years old. He didn't, he never, he didn't have an apartment. He didn't have any leasing credit. He never yep. leased an apartment. We had an issue getting an apartment. Um, he wanted a car, you know, a fancy car. And we were like, dude, we can't afford that. We, you know, we can't show that we can afford this type of car. What are you yeah. doing? So, um, you know, it was, it was, it was funny. We had a lot of fun with it, but you're right. They don't, they're 20 years old. He was, he literally just turned 20 and he'd only been eight months removed from his parents' house, eight months removed. Yep. And now he's in the locker room with grown men with families. So, um, you're right. It was a challenge, you know, trying to figure out how do you lease an apartment in a whole nother city and state during a pandemic? Mm-hmm. Not only is it you're in another state, but we're in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. So the challenges were real. Um, we, you know, we went up and we stayed in the hotel when he first got drafted to Philly. I think we ended up staying there for a few weeks and um, once again, taking my vacation time. And uh, we were in and out as many apartments as we possibly could, but we're in a, we're in a pandemic. People are still kind of nervous. Nobody really had the vaccine hadn't been released yet. And nobody yeah. really wanted only by God's grace did we not catch the virus during this time because we're in and out of apartments as much as possible. So we find him an apartment. Um, he decides he wants um, he's lived in in the South long enough and he wants the high rise apartment. It's going to overlook the entire city of. Uh, Philadelphia. So what does that look like? Here we go with parents. Okay, fine. We'll find you a condo that's going to overlook the whole city for whatever reason. And uh, we do. And so he he was happy with that. Uh, Only to say six months later, he didn't like it anymore. He wanted a house now because he bought a huge dog and now he wants a house. So there you go. But it was, it was a challenge, you know, like you said, you, you don't have, he doesn't have any, any credit as we, you know, when you, <laughs> for yeah. us, you're taught as you, when you go away to college at 18, you know, you get your first credit card, you build your credit from there, you come out of college and you get an apartment and then you get married and you, you buy a house and, you know, you save your money for five, 10 years, you put your down payment on the house. It's a process that was embedded in our minds. And now that process is out the window. He's 20 years old and he needs <laughs> these things. And we're trying to say, okay, how do we get them? But, um, <laughs> So it, it was funny, but it, it all worked out and um, we just figured it out. Honestly, yeah. you're right. You have to just go in there and say, hey, um, he didn't have a credit card. So we ended up getting a credit card in, in my husband's name and adding Tyrese on to bill credit. Yep. Um, yep. You know, there was just so many different things that we had to do to, to make sure that he had what he needed. But we, we did it. And so now two years later, he's got um, an amazing amount. Of, of credit built up now, you know we didn't let him buy too too many things but a couple houses not sorry a couple cars uh credit yeah. card and then um and then the condo yeah. so now he's got you know some credit and some history of paying things insurance which i learned i just learned that today that his insurance that he paid on his car for the last 12 months you know does count towards his credit i didn't know that until today that was something interesting that i learned Learn but something um new yeah every it was, day. it's a process <laughs> Just learned it today. So pulled an insurance statement to show that he had, um, you know, paid his insurance on time um, for 12 months. And that 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 helps his credit, too. So those are things that maybe parents don't know. But if you 
are listening, get your son insurance, uh, get his own insurance on his car and let him pay for that for 12 months. And that does help. Yep. So. Absolutely. You know, and, and our kids, like I said, a lot of them are young and this is their first job and this isn't the average job, right? But they seem to think some of them just say, I don't know, they made, they just got drafted and their first contract is 8 million. And we have to tell them, oh, you don't have the 8 million today. <laughs> like, just yeah. so you know, like it's over the two years or whatever, or the, even if it's a year, you don't have your first paycheck today. And guess what? You don't have no. any credit. So don't think yeah. just because you have this big salary coming to you that you can now just go to the bank and say, give me a house. Like, no, that's not yeah. how it works. And it's just funny because yeah. we have to teach these things. And sometimes it's a learning process for, for parents. Some, a lot of the times these parents never had homes themselves, never had a mortgage. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, a, it's new. They're like, I don't know what to do. But don't just assume that just because your kid made it to the NBA that now all of a sudden you're just going to start buying all these million dollars worth of goods because that's not that's not really a good thing to do. You have it to, is not. Yeah, and you may you make a very that. good point. It's a contract over time. Mm-hmm. So that you're not getting all of that that first year. And you have to think about taxes. Yep. When I first saw the taxes, that were taken out of my son's check, I yeah. called his agent and said, you've got to be kidding. This cannot be right. Yep, that first check. <laughs> I, just, I was like, wait, wait a minute. Where's the rest of my son's money? And he was like, Denise, this is right. I, and I didn't even take his words. I called the CPA and I said, I sent him a copy of the check and I said, you can't, this can't be right. This cannot mm-hmm. be the amount of money that y'all are taking out for taxes. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, Denise, it's right. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's the correct amount. So you have to think about that too. It's a it's a great contract, and um, you know it's amazing over 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 the time time span and what the amount of money they're going to make. But you're right; you can't run right out and just start you know spending it up because nope. you you have to be mindful of it. it has to last for quite some time, and you know. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, the taxes you gotta you gotta factor those in when you you're do. when you're looking at that money. <laughs> So let's now get to the team. Let's talk to me about his rookie year. And what was it like for you to see him for the first time with that 76ers jersey on? So, oh my gosh, um, rookie year. So the very first time I saw him with the jersey on, they, once again, we're in a pandemic. TV? No fans are allowed oh. in the arena. No fans, uh, not even mom and dad, no fans. So we are in a hotel room because we're still looking for him a place to stay because he's staying in the hotel room a couple doors down from us at this time. And he is, um, I can't remember what game it was, but it was a preseason game. And they put him in and he comes out and I'm screaming in the hotel room. I'm just like, oh my God, my son is playing in the NBA and I'm jumping up and down in the hotel room and I'm screaming and my husband's, my husband's super laid back, super cool dude. And so I'm jumping up and down and I'm screaming. I'm like, oh my God, you see him? Do you see him? Do you see him? And he's like, yes, babe, I see him. So he comes out and he hits um, three little floaters in a row, three little floaters in a row. And I'm like, oh my God, he scored his first bucket. And I'm writing down the time that he scored the first bucket on the NBA and the TV, you know, on TV and what, you know, what we were doing. So that's what my first moment was like. And, you know, everybody was calling and, and you know, texting. It's like, oh, my gosh, you know, um, everybody calls him Reese. I'm the only person in the world, I think, that calls him Tyrese. Um, 
but everybody knows him as just Reese. So everybody's like, oh my gosh, you know, you see Reese and Reese is this and Reese is doing this. And, um, but that was my first moment in that, that preseason game where he came out and he hit those three little floaters. And now he kind of became known for, for the floaters for a moment until Doc said, uh-uh, not those floaters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So how does Tyrese receive advice from the vet players on the team, like Tobias Harris, uh, Joel Embiid, James Harden, like, and in your opinion, how does that impact who Tyrese is as, as a player? You know, I really started to notice a shift in Tyrese's conversation. Maybe towards the end of the playoffs last season, mm-hmm. um, he started to talk more about investments. He started to talk more about when he's ready to buy a house and um, saving his money. You know, not that he was ever a person that just splurged, but he started to make little comments that I hadn't heard him make prior to. Um, Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid have really taken them under their wing and really fed into him a lot. I'm very appreciative to it. Very appreciative. Um, some of the things that Joel, I mean, I've even, you know, talked to Joel a couple of times just in, in passing, you know, coming to a game or, or seeing him out after a game or something like that. But, you know, they have, they've been amazing vets. And one of the things that I heard a lot when we were going through the draft process is that your hope is that your kid, your young, your young uh, professional athlete lands on a team where they're good vets. So the yes. vets that are going to take them under their wing. Another person that was really good um, talking to him last year was George Hill. George Hill came on. Uh, he was he he um, came on in the midseason, and he was another guy that kind of took Tyrese under his wing and, and really fed into him and um, poured different good positive vibes. Another guy was Rondo. Uh, Tyrese would work out with Rondo during the summer, um, and in LA, and so he would you know call him and talk to him about different things and. Um, you know, just kind of help him through the whole rookie year process. He had a real rookie year experience. He was that rookie that, you know, had to bring the food or carry Joel's bag or, you know, <laughs> go out and get food late at night or whatever they asked him to do. They they gave him the whole rookie experience. But, um, and then James Harden just came on board. So mm-hmm. I haven't had the opportunity to really you know, learn more about James. I think he's only maybe 10, 12 games in, maybe was it maybe two months, I think, maybe two, if mm-hmm. it's even been two months, I haven't really had a chance to, to really hear a whole lot. Uh, but from what I've seen online and from the comments that Tyrese has made, he's, he's really been a very positive impact on Tyrese thus far. So the, the vets are amazing. They've been really good. And just imagine, you know, rookie year playing in the playoffs with Joel Embiid. That's like, you know, how, mm-hmm. just, it's, I mean, that's, that's amazing. There's so many amazing guys in the NBA, I, I've, I've respected their their work for so many years, you know, what they have to go through to get there, obviously because of what my son but has went through to get there. But at the same time, now you're there in an era where social media, where their whole lives are played out on social media. I can't imagine being in their shoes right now where everywhere you walk, there's a camera in your face or every room you walk in, there's a camera and you have to watch and do everything in a way that you know, you don't want it to be played out or, or the wrong sound bite taken mm-hmm. out of context and played. So I might have a huge respect for, 
for these guys and, and what they and their families have went through to get to where they are. Absolutely. But yeah, the vets have been have been great and um, with the Sixers, have been amazing. Tyrese has said that as a player, you need to stay humble, stay hungry, and everything will be okay. Has there ever been a time where he just felt defeated or exhausted and felt that things were just too hard? And if so, how did you remind him to stay humble, stay hungry, and that everything would be okay? Well, we teach all of them to stay humble. Yeah. But I'll say this, and this may sound harsh, um, but it was just where I needed to be and what I needed him to think about his rookie year. Initially, his rookie year, he wasn't getting the minutes he felt like he should have got. And so, you know, he would call me and, to, and then I got to a point and I said, um, no one's going to feel sorry for you. You are 20 years old, you're in the NBA and you're playing on a championship caliber team. If you don't get 20 minutes tonight, nobody in the world is going to feel sorry for you. So pick yourself up go back in the gym tomorrow and work hard and work for the minutes that you deserve. Um, and I think he kind of like, whoa, mom, you know, that's not the response I wanted from you, but I can't baby you. You know, it is what right. it is. You know, nobody, you're in a, you're in a great spot, dude. You know, you are 20 years old playing in the NBA. You're mm -hmm. on a, an amazing team with amazing vets. It could be worse. There are a million plus people that would trade spaces with you right now. So it's going to be okay. So pick it up, get up tomorrow morning, go back in the gym, work hard, and eventually you'll earn your spot. So when he would come to me with those, those times, sometimes I would, you know, listen. And some, even now today I listen. If he didn't have the game that he thought he should have had or, you know, my son hates losing. Yeah. Hates losing. So uh, it's a big deal. I don't care how I don't care if there's 82 games. He wants to win all 82. Yep. Um, doesn't matter to him. <laughs> he wants to win all 82. So it gets, you know, he gives himself, I think he started this in college where he's got 12, 12, 12 hours to, to mourn a loss and then he's got to get back to it. He mm -hmm. says 12 hours and he tries to get back to it, but in his mind, he does not like to lose ever at any Yeah. So, um, I think, yeah, when he has those moments and he, he's down on himself and he's not playing the way he feels like he should play or didn't score as many points or didn't do what he needed to do to help his team get the win that night, then those are the times when, he, when he's down on himself. And we have to remind him, hey, you know, there's tomorrow. You know, you got another game in two days. Right. So you didn't get that game. You didn't perform like you felt like you should have to help your team be successful. Now you have another opportunity to do it. And the next time you touch the floor, that, those are the things that we talk. We talk after every game, every single yeah. game, doesn't matter how late it is at night. He calls me. Um, yeah. And we talk every morning, either on his way to the gym or when he finishes the workout. Then we talk several times a day. Absolutely. You know what? It's like once the game is over, let it go. There's nothing yeah. you can do about it anymore. And sometimes, you know, you, you say it sounds harsh. But it really doesn't, or I guess for, I understand, right? Because I used to say to my son, no one's going to coddle you. Like no. they don't care. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, you know, don't get down on yourself. 
you were chosen to play on this team. It's not like we paid a fee and then we said, okay, I want to play for the Toronto Raptors. You know what I mean? You you were chosen. They chose you for your skill. So you may not get much minutes. I mean, he does, but I'm just saying, if this were the case, you know what I mean? I would mm-hmm. tell him, like, if you aren't getting any minutes or getting the minutes you feel you deserve, well, then you're just going to have to really work harder than what you're doing now. And that's it. And now he's just like, yeah, I get it. I'm good. I'm good. Like the mindset is, you know, I'm great. I get it. But at the beginning, you know what I mean? It was it was tough when he was playing for the Orlando Magic and mm-hmm. didn't get much minutes. And you know what I mean? So it was hard because these players just want to play. They just want to get on the court. They don't understand how, why I got to sit the whole game. Why I got to get sit mm-hmm. two, three, four, five, ten games I didn't play. Nobody wants yeah. to sit there. Nobody. But Nobody. don't take that person. Yeah. Yeah. So just... Keep working hard. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm glad that, you know what I mean? Like your response to him was pick yourself up and keep pushing forward because that's all you can do. So now let's go to All-Star Weekend. <laughs> what was that experience like for you watching your son in the Rising Stars Challenge game? Gosh, All-Star Weekend was amazing. Um, <laughs> All-Star Weekend was one of probably the best moments of our life thus far. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a moment where we could just woosah, if you will. We could say, okay, this weekend, we don't have to be nervous. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? No, it's a weekend we could just say, we're here. He's done a great job up to this point. Just go have fun, relax, right? Um, For him to be selected, you know, second year, yeah. As a, a rising star was like, whoa, this is this is good. Um, this is he's projecting in the right path. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was it was great. It was really good. Um, right from the moment we arrived, we I say me and my husband arrived there. You know, being greeted the me- the moment we stepped off the plane with our names, we're like, oh, okay, we kind of mm-hmm. stars too, then, huh? <laughs> but um, yeah, he he did. It was fun. It was it was it's a great it's a great accomplishment. It was great for him to be recognized. It was amazing to be there. I had never been to um, an All Star Weekend, even when it was held here in Dallas. We had a big ice storm that year that came to Dallas, so we didn't get a chance to go. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we've had one in, in Dallas since then. But that was it was amazing. It was it was so just breathtaking to watch him, you know, go out there and compete to a certain degree. Um, just because for one, he just got off a plane at 5 a.m. that morning. I don't think people know this, but his flight got delayed. And so he played in Milwaukee that night before. Then he finally arrived in Cleveland around 5 a.m. that morning. And he had a whole slew of different things to do that day, appearances and all kinds of stuff. Then try to go to the game that night. So by the time he got to the game, he was like a zombie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was literally like a zombie trying to play. So um, it was just great. I mean, like I said, it's it's a great accomplishment. Obviously, you know, it's just like one to check that box and and now let's let's really try to work hard and get to the next level to be selected as an actual all star. But it it's great. It was a great experience. The whole weekend was amazing. Wow. Oh yeah, I I did hear about the the weather because we had yeah. um uh two Raptors players that were stuck as well for mm-hmm. hours hours on the tarmac. Yes, yes. yeah, hours hours. Yes. So mm-hmm. yeah, Oof. and yeah, I, I that must have not have been pleasant. So 
<laughs> so before we get into the fun facts, I just want to know for you, what is it like being the courtside mom to Tyrese Maxey? Um, it's, it's fun. You know, it's, it's cool to see him. You know, I've, I've kind of prided myself in never being a Tyrese Maxey fan. Um, and the reason why is because I have to be Tyrese Maxey's mother and I have to tell him even at the age of 21 and, and beyond right from wrong. Yeah. So I can't always just be in awe of him. I love him very much. And I think he's an amazing kid. I mean, amazing young man. I, I love him very much. But at the same time, I try not to be in awe. Yeah go on social media and look at all the stuff and read every article and one you definitely don't want to do that or you you know i'm just not i'm not that that mom i'm not saying it's you know a good or a bad thing to do it's just how i've selected to do things just so that i can stay in the mom space that's right and um in order for me to do that i choose not to be in awe of tyrese maxi yeah so um with that being said i'm very proud i'm very proud of, of what he's done I'm very proud of where he's going. Uh, I'm proud of how he handles himself. I am. I, I feel good that he is very humble, and um, he's not. You know, he is 21, and he's but he's not doing too many things that you wouldn't want. You know, your 21 year old to do. Yeah. So I'm very proud, and it feels it feels good. You know, I feel like okay, maybe husband and I, maybe hubby and I did something right. You know, to uh, have gotten him to this point, and you know, he makes good decisions. And, you know, one of the things I've always said to him every single time he walked out of this door is to make good decisions. You're not going to always make the, the right decision, but think yeah. about it. Give yourself your, you know, it's a 10 second rule in our house. Seconds. Just give yourself those 10 seconds to think about this decision and what type of consequences, good or bad, they may have. That's all I ask yeah. you to do. I don't ask you to be perfect. There's no such thing. But I do ask you to go out there, be a good person, be a good human being. Be a person that is going to motivate, inspire, um, to do good when you wake up in the morning. That's all mm -hmm. I ask you to do. I ain't asking you to be perfect, though. I'm not. <laughs> I am asking you just to be a good person, have a good heart. That's it. Yep. That's, that's all we that's, can that's, do. That's, who, that's all we can do. And that's, mm -hmm. um, that's who I am. That's, that's the Tyrese Maxi mom. I, I wish I could give you more and more glam, <laughs> but that's just the bottom line is just, just be the best person you can be. You know what? That's the glam right there. <laughs> It is. It yeah. is. You know what? You're like, and you're right. You have to be his mother. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like we say, yeah. we're not a fan. And I get what you're saying. It's not that you enjoy everything that your son does and, and you every love moment. him everything. Mm -hmm. But I get what you're saying. You're not just like starstruck. You still have mm -hmm. to be his mother. The, just because our kids get to the league, it does not mean that mm -hmm. our role should change. They we don't. have to exactly it never should mm -hmm. and i just say sometimes to moms don't change who you were before just because your son is where he is now that doesn't matter mm -hmm. you're still mom yeah. so don't still we mom. don't lose focus right <laughs> <laughs> we tell our kids don't lose yeah, focus yeah. we can't lose focus yeah. so very and important. trust me i've seen some that have lost focus well me too and um you know but it's just like i said where i am as a person, as a human, as a woman, as a mother, as a wife, it's just, for me, I, I just want to stay in this space and I'm perfectly fine 
yep. in the space. I'm fi- I'm cool in my skin. I'm happy in my skin. I'm happy being in corporate America. I'm happy being a working mom. I'm I'm happy where I am in life. Mm-hmm. And because maybe because of that because of that, then you know I can stay and continue to just parent my parent my son. Absolutely. And for those listening, we're all we're saying is don't change from being the parent you were. Just always yeah. remain as your child's parent. So because they Let's, still need you, you know, they, they do. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. They still need you, even in this space. And I and funny, he was telling me this maybe about a month or so ago. Um, even where he is now, mom, I still need you. I mean, he still needs to talk to me. He still needs me sure. to help him make a decision. You know, I, I don't make decisions for him. I will help him talk through a decision mm-hmm. to weigh his options. And But all decisions yep. are made by him. Yep. But they still need you. So you can't lose sight of who you are That's as right. a parent. You can't do that. So I think that helps them along the way Absolutely. as well. I mean, my son and I, we talk a lot. And again, he makes his own decisions, but I'm that sounding board when he says, mom, what do you think of this, this, this? And he's 29. And you know what I mean? And I'll say, hey, well, this is my opinion. And that's it. I don't tell him what I, if I were you, I would do. Nope. It's just, what do you think? This is what Wendy thinks. Now you tell me what Kim thinks and that's it. And then we go our separate ways and it's always, you know what? Appreciate you. Appreciate you too. And done. And that's it. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. For the fact that he's coming to me as his mother, you know what I mean? He understands, you know, I trust her and she's always going to make sure I'm in that, in that great position. And I always tell him the ultimate decision is yours. So just remember that and, and we're mm-hmm. good. So like you said, don't lose the sight that we're still parents. So now let's do some fun facts. What is Tyrese's go-to dish that you make that he must always have? <laughs> Uh, spaghetti. Spaghetti. Um, <laughs> spaghetti. It's just spaghetti. It's, it's <laughs> turkey spaghetti. Uh, I'm always going to make it. And even now, when he, the few times he does get to come, well, he gets to come only once, actually, during mm-hmm. the season when they play the Mavericks. And so he was here, and he came in. He's like, what are we have for dinner? I was like, spaghetti. He's like, oh, I don't even know why I asked, Mom. You know, every time he comes in, it's a big pan of spaghetti, um, the garlic toast. I'm not, you know, he's got a chef, so I'm not worried about any nutrition. But when he comes here, He's going to get a big pan of spaghetti. Um, so we're going to probably bake some cookies. And um, we're definitely going to have sweet tea. Uh, we are Southern, like I said. And anytime <laughs> I even, even when I go to Philadelphia, I go to the store and I buy him a jug of sweet tea and I put it in his fridge. I'll probably drive his chef crazy because I do it every single time I go because <laughs> he, he's like, oh, my, I can tell my mom has been here because there is a jug of sweet tea mm-hmm. in the fridge. <laughs> Listen, I'm sure he loves the fact that when he goes in the fridge and he sees something from home there, yeah. right? Our boys miss home. So that that's awesome. What is one childhood item he couldn't live without, but other than a basketball? <sighs> one childhood item that he couldn't live without. Um, I would have to say his PlayStation. Mm-hmm. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, his PlayStation, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't allow him to play his PlayStation during the week because I wanted him to focus on his grades. So he could only play it on the weekend. And um, so he would look forward to when he was off on the weekend or I would, the, the few times I would let him pack it up and take it on a turn the weekend. Yeah. So his PlayStation is one that he just couldn't live without. And we also use it as a punishment. If he didn't do something or the room wasn't clean or something, 
then you don't get to play PlayStation. And he was already limited, so he was like, he would not be very happy with me, but mm-hmm. I would say it's PlayStation. You got to hide the controllers. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And that's yep. all we would do is just go take the controllers or take the plug, yep. you know. Yep. And so he's got to literally sit there with it in his room with no access to it. Staring <laughs> at it, but he can't play. <laughs> 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 so did he have, uh, I think you said this before, but did he have a nickname? And if so, what was it? Everybody calls him Reese. I mean, yeah. um, for many years, most people didn't even know his name was Tyrese. I mean, because I've, I'm the only person that calls him yeah. that really. Um, I think maybe more people now, they see it as, a, as a, because that's his, his legal name. But uh, high school, junior high, elementary, nobody oh, knew his name was actually Tyrese. They really didn't know his actual name was Tyrese, maybe into junior, senior year. Mm. You know, they just thought I just, I was just something I called him, but he had been known by Reese for so long where nobody knew that that was, that Tyrese was his true name. Yeah. To everybody, he was Reese Maxey. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody, he was Reese Maxey. And they'd see Tyrese and they'd be like, who is this? And I'm like, well, that's his actual name. It's just that for so many years, people have called him Reese. They didn't, um, nobody knew it was actually Tyrese. Yeah. What advice would you give to another courtside mom about dealing with a coaching decision that she did not agree with? You don't say anything. Mm. <laughs> you, I mean, you can disagree with the coaching. Are you talking about on an NBA level or um, high school? Just period. Doesn't matter. Period. So we've always, obviously my husband was a coach, so we really you know, took pride in trying to build a relationship with any coach that he had outside of my husband. And we, um, you do what the coach asks of you to do mm-hmm. and then let us deal with it on the back end. You know, yeah. so there was a, there was, I mean, I, I have had a, um, a run in with a coach and um, just one, only one, <laughs> only one. And, you know, it was a buildup of a different couple of different things. And we laugh about it now. So I can, I can tell this story with no problem, but um, but it was back way back fifth, sixth grade, something like that. And, um, you know, I, it's not that I just didn't agree with the way things had were handled. And so I just kind of told him how I felt about it. And, you know, we moved on. It was, it was just that, yeah. but, you know, going into high school coaches, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have said anything to a coach. I would probably, you know, talk to Tyrese, kind of have him sit down and talk to the coach. Same would we do with our daughter. Now, if you, disagree with something that your coach is doing then you're the player that person is the coach sit down and talk to them and try to get a better understanding of what they want from you and what you need from them um i I, for me i just chose not to not to reach out to calipari you never heard i had one phone call from me or my husband as it pertained to our son not one phone call um he's actually talked about that too we were a set of parents that you know he was hard very hard on our son and he tells people now, even in his recruiting, that we were some parents that never called him. We never said a word. We would look. He was hard and we didn't like it, but we felt like he was doing what he thought was right to get Tyrese in the best, best Absolutely. You know, position that he could. So we never said a word. Um, even in, in the NBA, you, you, I mean, what, what are you going to say? Am I going to pick up the phone and call Doc Rivers and say, hey, I don't agree with that coaching decision. <laughs> you think he's going to listen to me? I don't have access to him. Yep. So you better start <laughs> thinking about it, you know, at an early age, um, you know, you don't, the relationship is between Sina. the player and the coach. That's it right. is not between the parent and the coach. That's not the relationship. So yeah. you want your child, your, your son, daughter, whomever to be the best they can be. They need to be coachable. 
they need to be coachable. Now, if the coach is doing something that's, you know, not right or, or something right. like that, then obviously, you know, you as a parent should step in and, and do what you need to do as a parent. But, you know, I don't know, maybe they should have ran this play or they should run this defense or something. You you really can't exactly you know, jump no. in and say, tell your kid, don't do that. You know, you run the play you want. <laughs> no, you imagine just, that's you have to keep in mind. <laughs> That the relationship is between the player and the coach. And the coach, exactly. That's it. And you just, for me, I would advise that mom to talk to your your child and really push your child to have a good, open dialogue with the coach at right. whatever level they are at. That's what I would. That's the advice I would give. Okay. And what advice would you give to a player on how to deal with a tough teammate? That's tough. Um, mm. oof, um, yeah, that's a tough one. How? What advice would I give? I mean, we've had a couple. Um, would, I don't tough. know. Try to talk to them. Yeah. You know, that's tough. You know, when you have a teammate that's, that is selfish or, um, you know, out of line. And, and we've seen it, you know. Um, I just, you know, you just do the best you can. And yeah. in this space, what I tell Tyrese is right now, son, you have a job, you know, you go to work. So you have to go out there and do your job. Um, you know, regardless, even at, at high school level, you, you, you know, you're trying to, trying to win a game. You're trying to get to a state championship. You know, what do you, what do you need to do? You know, go, you go be the best person you can be and right. try to, you know, find the positive with that particular teammate as much as you possibly can try to talk to them, try to, you know, advise them, Hey, you know, people are watching, you know, where, where are we trying to go with this? What's the next level we're trying to get to? I, I just, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, that one, I will be at my wit's end when you, particularly when you get older, how do you deal with a tough teammate? Best you can. Yeah. <laughs> you do the it best you can. It is um, hard. It's hard. That's yeah. the hard question. That's one I've never had before. Um, yeah. But in my family, we crack a lot of jokes. Um, we crack a lot of jokes when it's, I'm glad there's not a, like a, a fly on the wall when mm. it's just us talking. And we probably laugh our way through some of the most difficult moments. Yeah. You know. Well, laugh um, is the best medicine. So. Laugh our way through it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, you know. Well, my last question to you is, if you could only give one piece of advice to another courtside mom, what would that advice be? If I could give one piece of advice to another courtside mom, it would be to stay true to who you are as a person, no matter what. Love it. No matter what. Don't allow any person, any circumstance to determine who you are, who your character is. Just stay true to who you are. As, yeah. as women, I'm sure you know, um, we can lose sight of who we are. We work. We take care of our families. We take care of our husbands. We take care of our True. kids. Um, we take care of all the people around us. And so I have had to fight to just be Denise Maxey. Yeah not just um, Coach Maxie's wife or Tyrese Maxie's mom or Denasia Maxie's mom or, um, you know, whomever. Just stay true to who you are. 
uh, as a woman, as a mom. That would be the best piece of advice I, I feel like I could give to another courtside mom. That's one of the best pieces of advice that I've heard in a long time because it is so true. Like you said, we do so much. Um, it's just in our character to nurture and to be there for everybody. But sometimes we forget, hold on, wait, what about me? Like, hey, sometimes I need help too, or I just want to relax. I just want to be able to sit and watch the game just quietly. I want to enjoy this moment. I want to, you know what I mean? I, I just want to, I just want to chill. And sometimes yeah. that can't be when all that is said and done, you know what I mean? And we're by ourselves and we're like, man, I wish I had five minutes just to, and you know what, as mothers, we're not, we're always grateful for what we do and what we're able to give, but sometimes you're right. It is nice. So do not lose mm-hmm. sight of, of who you are as, as, as a woman first, right? Cause you're a woman, a woman first before you're a mm-hmm. mom and everything else. So love, love, love mm-hmm. that advice. And <laughs> But that's it, Denise. I'm so happy to have spent this time with you. I learned so much about your son. I learned so much about you and your family in the process and and how you navigated um, from the beginning, from the onset, from your from everything that you've done, your role of getting Tyrese where he is today, your husband's role and getting Tyrese where he is today and just the sacrifices that you made as a family. And you know what? You just believed in his vision. You believed in his dream and look where he is now. So congratulations to you and your family and everything that you've done because he wouldn't have been able to do it without his parents. It would have been probably a lot different. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, I've enjoyed this time and thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you.